everybody, and welcome to another episode of Long Overdue, a Franklin Library podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Andy. And today we're going to talk about some of our recent reads, but first, our icebreaker um, for this episode are what are some of our favorite book to movie or TV adaptations. Um, looking at, like, Dune Part 2 just came out, and that's, you know, uh, Hallmark's sci-fi novel right. that is... I think been adapted into movies a couple times, but yes. this is the first like pretty successful one. Yeah, yeah. The previous one was back in the nineteen eighties, directed by David Lynch, and it was not really that successful. I think people didn't think too much of it, and maybe there was a little too much David Lynch in it. I'm not sure. His movies can be kind of strange. Um, I know I've watched it, but I don't really remember that much about it. Yeah, but I did just rewatch Dune Part One, um, mm-hmm. just uh, like last week or so. So I'm, um, I haven't read all of the book of Dune. I started it once many mm-hmm. many years ago, but I never finished it. So I can't really compare the movie and the book. But uh, I certainly like this new um, adaptation, and yeah. so I'm looking forward to seeing the the second part. Yeah, I, I just watched part one over the summer and, and thought it was great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm excited about part two. And did you read the book then? Um, I haven't. Like you, I tried to read it, uh, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I got the audiobook, listened to a couple chapters, and just couldn't get into it. It was mm-hmm. just the wrong time. Um, couldn't, like, focus on it. But Yeah, it's... Um... As I remembered, it's it's not just a breezy sci-fi book or anything like that. It's yeah. it's you know I think most people who are fans are are pretty heavy-duty sci-fi fans, you know. So, yeah. and especially since there have been so many sequels to it, also I think people I don't know if that's intimidating to people who maybe would just want to read the first book, but then you're thinking, oh, should I go and read the whole series or whatever? Right. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I would say a couple of my favorite book-to-movie or TV adaptions have been kind of recent. Um, HBO had a miniseries of Station Eleven, um, and I, I really enjoyed that a lot. I mean, there were definitely some differences between the two, but I think they did a really great job of adapting it. And I think, you know, the cast was excellent and, um, you know, definitely one of my, my favorite books of, of recent years. So you know, I was glad to see, um, to see that one went so well. Um, the other one that I was thinking of from kind of recent times, and it's still in production, um, is the new adaptation of Interview with the Vampire. Mm. And um, I, know, I don't know if I was talking about that on one of our previous episodes a while back before the TV show came out, um, but I was not really looking forward to it. I mean, I really yeah. like those books. I haven't really read all of them. I just read the, the first three or four uh, books from the series because there's quite a few, but I really uh, like them a lot. And I was a little bit nervous uh, with this new adaptation because they had made some changes, like made the cha- a change in the setting as far as, um, you know, the original took place in the early, um, 
19th century, I think it was, and they moved it all the way up to like um, the 1920s or 30s, so I was a little bit nervous about that. There was also a little bit of a change in the um, nature of the relationship between the two um, main characters, Lestat and uh, Louis, who in the book, I mean, it may be kind of hinted at a little bit, but in the TV show, they are a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, or they become a couple. Um, so I wasn't sure, you know, how that would really change the story, but uh, overall, I really liked it a lot. Um, I think they did a great job in kind of, um, you know, tweaking it a little bit, and it still worked because the characters were still very much the same, and um, just uh, the spirit of the book, I think, was really there. So uh, I know this. Second season is coming up pretty soon. I think that's on AMC. So kind of looking forward to to that coming back. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of my favorites is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I kind of figured you, I might, love those you might mention books. that one. <laughs> the Hobbit movies, I only watched two of the three and uh, never watched the third one. So mm-hmm. that's my opinion on those. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord of the Rings, it's a very faithful adaptation. And really the only major thing that they cut out was Tom Bombadil and his storyline, which if you're a fan of the book, like you definitely know that that was missing. But it's one of those things where if you include it, you have to include all of it. Mm -hmm. And the payoff is there in the books, but for the movie to include it, it would take up so much time that it wouldn't... Like, I I understand why Peter Jackson cut it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, my least favorite thing that people do when adapting stuff is I understand that you have to cut stuff out. You can't have a shot-for-shot remake, but when they add something else in that didn't happen in the book, Mm -hmm. that's just dumb, Mm -hmm. that's what irritates me. Mm -hmm. Um, my other favorite, and this is probably my most favorite, is the Princess Bride, uh, movie adaptation, which, um... There's um, As You Wish, which is um, written by Carrie Elwes mm-hmm. about the making of the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you like the movie, you have to go and read it. Um, I think I've talked about it on the podcast I think so, before. Yeah. Um, the audiobook, the cast of characters reads their parts. Um, oh. Yeah. So, like, when he says, yeah, and then Rob Reiner said whatever, Rob Reiner talks, like, narrates oh, wow. his part. Huh. Um, so, it's really well done. And the book, this is one of those where the movie is better than the book. Mm -hmm. And it's not that the book is bad, it's just the movie does stuff better. Um, And and I think it really works, which, as bookish people know, Mm -hmm. usually the movie is worse. There's the saying, the book is always better. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is one of those rare cases, the movie is better. Yeah, I had written down another one that I would say fits into that category, and and people could maybe disagree with me. Um, High Fidelity by Nick Hornby. Um, I love the movie with John Cusack. I mean, I I really like him a lot. He's one of my favorite actors. But, um, you know, that movie is so great, and it has a great cast and everything. Um, Kind of the first really big role for Jack Black. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's, He's hilarious in that movie. The, um, the book was very good. I really enjoyed it very much. Um, but 
just with the energy of those uh, actors and everything like that, I thought that the um, the movie was maybe a little bit better. Um, again, there were some changes uh, originally. You know, since Nick Hornby is a British author, the you know, story took place in London, whereas in the movie version, there's uh, you know it's uh, transported to Chicago and um, maybe again being Midwestern uh, setting, everything like that also kind of endeared it to me a little bit. Um, and I know there is a, um, uh, adaptation or extension of the story or something like that on Hulu too, which I haven't mm-hmm. seen, but, um, I think it was supposed to be pretty good. So, yeah, great. Well, let us know what your favorite book to movie or TV show adaptations are. I mean, this is one that we could just go on. Oh, and yeah. On. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe we should have that be one podcast for real. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, we a could book do that. Or two. Oh, yeah. Um, but let's get to you chatting about our recent reads. You want to okay. lead us off? Okay, sure. Uh, the first book that I was going to talk about uh, today is called World Within a Song Music That Changed My Life and Life That Changed My Music. And it's by Jeff Tweedy who uh, some of you may be familiar with. He's singer, songwriter, guitarist, and founder of the band Wilco, and also a co-founding member of the earlier band Uncle Tupelo. And so kind of the alt-rock, alt-country type of music. Um, Wilco is one of my favorites, and I also like uh, Uncle Tupelo as well. And so this is kind of a musical memoir where he's just compiled a list of some of the songs that have influenced his life and his music. And he kind of just in short chapters talks about why he likes them or the story about when he first heard, heard them or heard the artist, um, and, and just kind of how it's affected him. And so it's kind of a, you know, reminiscence of his life as well. Um, he touches on subjects such as why we listen to music, why we love songs, how much uh, music can connect us to each other and also help us learn about ourselves. Um, He also peppers in some short additional chapters from his life that aren't necessarily related to music, but are just kind of some funny and interesting anecdotes. Um, So that kind of helps break up uh, the narrative a little bit too and makes it kind of interesting. so like I said, in the main chapters he's talking, and they're very short chapters, and usually they're five pages or less. Um, and um, like I said, he kind of tells what was going on in his life at the time that he maybe became familiar with the song. Um, and then uh, in some of them, he, like I said, he also he, learned, he talks about what he learned about music or songwriting Uh, from the song and it's not really a technical discussion of music so if you don't know music or don't read music or have never taken a music theory class or anything like that it's not technical or hard to understand it's just kind of kind of fun it's it's mainly mainly just kind of a light-hearted book so you know if you're a fan of Jeff Tweedy or Tweedy the band that he has with his son or Wilco or Uncle Tupelo, I think you'll you'll probably like this book. And he's he's also uh, written uh, other books as well. He's he's done uh, at least one previous memoir um, 
that was pretty well uh, received then also. And just to give you a little bit of a sample, I just wrote down a few of the song titles that he that he talks about in some of the chapters, like Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple, Taking Care of Business by Bachman Turner Overdrive, Mall of Kintyre by Wings, Death or Glory by The Clash, Dancing Queen by ABBA, and The Message by Grandmaster Flash. So it's a really a pretty good variety of, of music. So um, it's not all just one one thing. So I think that's also something that makes it kind of fun and interesting to see like what what he listens to and what he likes. So yeah, it was yeah, an enjoyable book. It's funny because I'm sure like if, if you listen to that same music too, you also can remember because music mm-hmm. just like sticks in your head. Oh yeah, and and you're like oh yeah that I do have a memory of that song or, mm-hmm. or band. Oh yeah. And when you said Deep Purple, I always think about I feel like if you've ever played guitar or bass guitar, you've uh-huh. learned how to play Deep Purple because it's just that's what his, on the water. That's what the chapter rather. that's yeah. what the chapter is and about. That's exactly. Like the fir- it's like three <laughs> notes. Yeah. And you can play it single, you can play it as like uh, like a pretty easy chord. Yeah. And it's so easy. And smoke on the water is just like if you've ever played uh, an electric instrument yeah. <laughs> in a band, right. which for me was in sixth grade, I got uh-huh. a bass guitar, and uh-huh. me and a couple friends made a band, and yeah. I think we mainly played Smoke on the Water because we sure. thought it was so cool right. that we could do it. <laughs> yeah, no, that is exactly what the, the chapter is about. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, like I said, it's just kind of a fun book, and uh, you know, uh, most of the songs are pretty familiar, as you can tell from a few of the ones that I that I mentioned. You know, so there's not it's not like they're all some real obscure songs either. It's it's they're ones that most people probably have heard. So yeah, great. Yeah, that I mean definitely sounds like a fun book. Mm-hmm. Um, like even if you're not a huge Diff Tweety oh, fan, oh, I really for sure. Know oh yeah, which, anybody could really pick it up. Enjoy when, it, I think. when I got that book in at the library, I was like, oh, this guy looks familiar. Well, he guest stars on Parks and Rec in an episode oh, yeah. as um, uh, the front man for like a famous band from Pawnee, which is okay. where the show is set. Okay. And I was like, oh, I did not know that that was Jeff Tweedy and he is actually a musician. Uh-huh. Um, so that's, that's where I know <laughs> him from. Yeah, I think he has a pretty good sense of humor, so I could I could definitely see him doing that. Yeah. Um, well, I got one. It's uh, Mr. Magic by Kirsten White. This is a big departure from yours. Um, so it's a fiction, and it's like kind of a horror, but I would say more suspense-based. Um it's about this TV show called Mr. Magic, where a group of children basically played in a studio and their imagination like changed the set design and stuff. Oh. And there was a man named Mr. Magic who was in a cape um, who would come in during the episodes and do stuff. And everyone can remember it but has different memories of it and no one can find anything about it online. So like there are no clips of the TV shows. There are people saying like, oh no, it wasn't like a person in a costume. It was a puppet or like it, it was, um, 
like a special effects thing mm-hmm. and and people have all these different memories of it um but the baseline is that something happened something terrible happened it's all shrouded in mystery um and the show went off the air and has never been back on and anytime someone's like oh i found a part of the clip or something it gets removed from the internet right away and so there's this like mysterious force behind it wow um so now um it's been um the reviewer read said 30 years which i think pretty much tracks with what i remember from it um 30 years on after whatever event happened um the cast reunites at the house that it was taped in um to do a special podcast episode reunion tour wow and so everyone's really really excited about it because like now they're like i just thought i was making this up but everyone else seems to know but now that we know like the cast of kids who are now you know adults is Mm -hmm. getting together and so they drive down to the house in the middle of utah and all this weird stuff happens um like they each have their own room and the TVs like turn on and it's just static and there are weird noises and like all this bizarre stuff happens and the people who live in the nearby town are all very strange about it Uh and um, it's hard as a reader to stay focused because they just don't the author doesn't give you a whole lot to grab onto but that's also how the characters feel like they can almost remember mm-hmm. things, but they can't. Hmm. And the entire time, I'm like, this is super bizarre. And it almost sounds like um, they're like writing a critique of Mormonism. Hmm. And I was like, but am I just thinking that because it's in Utah and that's, you know, kind of like the place known for having a lot of people of mormon or or the latter-day saints yeah based Um, based out of utah right and then in the afterward the author begins it by saying i'll save you the googling yes i was raised mormon no i am not (laughs) and so it was it it was a it was a critique of how she was raised and kind of to not question the faith and and do stuff like that Um, but it's not preachy there's nothing direct like i said Hmm. The only reason I knew um, is I've read some books on um, the Latter-day Saints and the fundamental Latter-day Saints, which mm-hmm. is kind of a much more conservative offshoot. Um, and so I was just, it was just like in the back of my mind, like, hey, this is kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the author was like, yeah, this is kind of the way that I'm dealing with how I was raised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not. A very, it's not a religious book at all. They, mm-hmm. they don't mm-hmm. talk about it at all in the actual book. Um, but it makes a lot of sense knowing that going in. Um, but yeah, and it's the cover's kind of creepy. It's like a TV with the like off-air symbol of like mm-hmm. all the different colors. Oh yeah. Um, and there's like black sludge dripping off of it. Oh. Um, and so I thought it was gonna be way scarier. It's definitely like creepy and suspenseful. It's like a offbeat, weird kind of book, um, but it's not especially scary. There's mm-hmm. no gore. There's nothing 
super super intense it's just it's mostly suspenseful yeah and and a little weird yeah i always find those kinds of stories to be kind of interesting where they're kind of like uniting a group of people after some sort of mysterious event or tragic event and to kind of get their perspectives of what happened and how it maybe affected them in intervening or later years um, and also when you were talking about it too it kind of made me think of the um, the Mandela effect also because mm-hmm. yeah. you know, nobody could really quite determine uh, you know that this really happened or you know people having different memories of of the events or, or things about the show you yeah. know so that that's also something I find kind of interesting that's yeah if you're not familiar with the Mandela effect it's like a theory of not like a mass delusion but like almost like a misremembering right so one of the like main ones that people bring up is the berenstein bears um some people remember it as the berenstein bears and some people remember it as the berenstain bears Mm -hmm. um and right now i couldn't tell you which one is right i always say berenstein yeah i don't know either um Another one. And this is two librarians talking. So. <laughs> uh, another one is the Shazam Kazam uh-huh. thing. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that people have this memory of Shaquille O'Neal, the basketball player, being a genie who comes out of a boombox yeah. in a movie. And that movie has never existed, and I think that one was called Shazam. Uh-huh. But Kazam was like a rapper or somebody, and that yeah. one did exist. Yeah. And, and so it's like, it's this weird effect where, like, everyone has, like, the same minor delusion. Yeah, I mean, it, it gets its name from the fact that some people feel that they remember Nelson Mandela dying in prison, mm-hmm. whereas he did not, or... Right. Or, or did he? Right. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> I mean, we all remember that he got released, but right. on the other hand... Maybe that's just a manipulated memory, or so the, the believers of the Mandela effect would say. Yes. Yeah. Um, you got anything else? I do actually have another book, too. Okay. Um, it's called Living the Beatles Legend, The Untold Story of Mal Evans uh, by Kenneth Womack. And... Like many books that you'll find at libraries, bookstores, schools, or on people's personal bookshelves, this book is about the Beatles, like many hundreds and thousands of other books. But it's very significant, I think, for Beatles fans. Um, I think for, for people who really know the Beatles, even if you don't know his name, you'd recognize his face and you'd recognize his name too. Mal Evans was the road manager for the Beatles. So kind of a roadie, kind of a um, uh, assistant to the Beatles. I mean, he kind of helped them out with whatever they they needed, whether it was uh, equipment while they're on uh, on tour, or he also worked with them when they're in the studio. So he was the guy who always had, you know, that extra guitar string if you needed one or something like mm-hmm. that or if you needed some tea or some food or drugs <laughs> he could get that for you um, but he was uh, uh, 
well well loved, especially even by Beatles fans at the time, because he was kind of a a little bit of an icon even with them uh, at that time. He was a little bit older than the Beatles, uh, but like them, he grew up in in Liverpool, England, and they can uh, as they were kind of growing in popularity around there. Um, he first saw them at the famous Cavern Club. They played many times, and they became friends. And then they actually recommended him for an open position at the uh, Cavern of Bouncer. Mm. So he was a very big guy, um, very big kind of teddy bearish type guy, really. But uh, if you didn't know that, you wouldn't maybe necessarily think that because he was, uh, you know. Uh, He did serve kind of as a bodyguard for them, almost even at, in some uh, instances, and um, so obviously they would they would need that as well. Um, so this tells mostly this. It's the Beatles are definitely uh, all over the book, but it really is the story of uh, Mal Evans, and um, probably his main conflict in his life really after he started uh, working for the Beatles was balancing that demanding job where they they could really call upon him on almost any time for for something and his family because he did have a young family and um, so it was very I think he had a very difficult time um, balancing that uh, and it, the book shows many many times how um, you know demanding it really was to uh, have his job um, and of course as a person you know working in the entertainment industry all of the usual temptations such as alcohol drugs women and fame all made it more difficult for him too because he is around all of these um, these uh, temptations as well um, but he did need the job to support his family so that kind of won out um, and he didn't really spend as much time with his family uh, as he really wanted to. And eventually he and his wife did divorce. Um, he continued to work with the Beatles uh, even after they broke up. And he also did some managing of some of the performers uh, on their record label and some record producing. And then eventually he did leave that and moved to California on his own to continue his career in the uh, music business. Um, sadly, and this isn't really a spoiler because it's right on the front cover jacket or you know the inside of the front cover jacket, uh, the, the story does have a tragic ending. Um, Mal died in 1976 when he was shot by LAPD officers during a domestic disturbance. Um, yeah, he, he really did uh, have a lot of pressure on him as yeah. um, once he left the Beatles, the pressure was to kind of have some success of his own. And it wasn't really quite that easy, uh, as I'm sure many, many people have learned uh, who've tried to do something in the um, entertainment industry. So um, his mental health had kind of slipped a little bit, you know, just due to his feelings that he really hadn't been as successful as he wanted to be. And he also did kind of have a lifelong fascination with guns, too, which um, eventually kind of uh, it 
kind of combined into a um, cause and incident that really caused his his uh, death. Um, but now that I've brought everybody down, I wanted to kind of stress that <laughs> <laughs> despite the ending, the book is mostly an interesting and joyous look uh, at the life of Mal Evanson, his life with the Beatles. I mean, it it really is. I mean, it's very interesting. There's lots of, I mean, he was very much in the inner circle of the Beatles. I mean, he was really, uh, I mean, he spent a lot of personal time with them. Um, and and his family spent time with the Beatles families. And, um, you know, so he was definitely an insider when it comes to um, the Beatles. So that's what really makes it so, this book so significant. And it's just extremely well done. The, um, the author, Kenneth Womack, I think has written one or two other books about the Beatles, and uh, he did a great job. Um, but one really uh, important element in it is that uh, Mal himself had been working on um, a memoir. And so the author had access to that. So a lot of it is based upon his writings or his diary entries and things like that. So you really do get uh, the um, information from really a total inside source. I mean, from the person himself. Um, And it's actually kind of a miracle that the book even really uh, exists because uh, that mem or that uh, the manuscript of his memoir was in storage with the publisher that he was kind of working with for many, many years. And at a certain point, they were just going to kind of uh, clear out their storage area. And a, a temporary worker discovered this manuscript and said, hey, this is really important. This should yeah. not be thrown out. <laughs> and they weren't really quite so sure. And so she even uh, actually got uh, Yoko Ono to intervene and make sure that this that these materials were saved, that they weren't yeah. just thrown out. And so, um, and the book has an introduction by Mel Evans's uh, son, so it's very, you know, very much endorsed by you know his family and everything like that. And so, yeah, I think for any Beatles fans, especially if you really like some of the detailed stuff um, and insider info, it's a it's a great book. Yeah, I mean that definitely. Sounds interesting. My dad, mm-hmm. my dad's a huge Beatles fan, mm-hmm. um, and so growing up, I listened to their music a lot. And, mm-hmm. um, I just recently started listening to their discography mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. chronological order. Oh, sure. Um, and I feel like if you like the Beatles, you have your like couple favorite albums. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fun to go back and just kind of listen to everything and mm-hmm. just see how much they really changed. Oh, right. The right. sound of their music. Oh, right. Um, Oh yeah, that that all kind of is reflected in in the book and everything like that too, because it's you know it's got some pretty good details about recording sessions and things like that and being on the road mm-hmm. and everything. So it's you know even though it's about him, it's it's got a lot of uh, Beatles info in it. So it's a really yeah. good mix of both. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I don't have anything else. I just had the one. So Mm -hmm. I think we can just go ahead and wrap it up. Okay. Um, Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. If you have your favorite book to movie or TV show adaptation (laughs) or maybe your own Mandela effect to, I don't know, discuss, let us know, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.